Welcome to Technology Forward. Uh, I'm here today with Marty Johnson of 3D Systems, and we're going to be talking a little bit about materials, especially as in regards to additive manufacturing. Just very quickly, Marty, can you give me a little bit of background about yourself? Sure. Uh, I'm Marty Johnson. I'm a technical fellow here at 3D Systems. I've been here for since 2007. I actually had a background in mechanical engineering, uh, and I used to drive a lot of product development and working to create injection mold tools, different plastics and things like that. And as we started into additive manufacturing and 3D printing into additive manufacturing, let me say it that way, is here at 3D Systems, we've really um, come to really push into production plastics. So my background and my vision to where I look at our materials is actually from the viewpoint of a mechanical engineer, more so than a material science. Okay. So now recently, 3D Systems sent out news that you have uh, comprehensive test data on materials that work with the figure four system. Can you briefly go over what those tests were? Absolutely. So this is something we're really passionate about. We've really, in the focus for production plastic, uh, probably the two most overused words in additive manufacturing, is to really raise the bar. Uh, uh, we've got a real passion to raise the standard of what do we call our production plastic. And so there's some things that fall into that. Uh, some of those are going to start with your mechanical properties. So on these data sheets, looking at we've totally revamped the figure four mechanical properties or, or the entire data sheets to look at one comprehensive, consistent data sheet. So we look at mechanical properties with everything down to the detail of elongation at yield, HDTs, 24-hour uh, water absorption, looking at we've added ISO data for geographies and industries that prefer the ISO data. And so we really focused in on these mechanical properties and also to be real specific to include everything. Uh, uh, that's part of, from a mechanical engineering standpoint, it's always in the past where we've been frustrating if you look at only the properties that are given that may be good, but I don't have things like 24-hour water absorption. Well, if it's not great, that might be okay, but I need to know what the number is to be able to do the design. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I can design around that. So we were real mm -hmm. intentional about creating consistent, complete data sheets that have that kind of information. Everything's conditioned per ASTM ISO standards. And then we added to that. And so there's a we touch on it a little bit in some of our uh, top black 20, for instance, data sheets. But these, then we went into production performance properties, and you'll find those on these data sheets as well. And what you'll find there are things like the long-term indoor and outdoor environmental stability, which are two of the things that really set you apart from a prototyping to production plastic. And then you'll see things where it's applicable, dielectric properties, biocompatibility, things like that. Okay, interesting. So now, given all of this, what would you say is the state of material development for additive manufacturing? Do we have enough materials, too many choices? Are these choices good? Are, is there too much substitution and not working with the real materials? And is that even a necessity anymore? Uh, I think there, there are plenty of prototyping materials. The question is, do we have enough production type materials? And there's very few, uh -huh. quite honestly. And and that's uh -huh. been where a lot of the focus that we've had is to turn, you know, that's when we go back to what is a production plastic? Does it last 
with long-term stability, how many years does it last? If I've got a part with a two-year shelf life, I've got to have the same mechanical properties at that two-year point as I did two weeks after I made the parts. So we've got to go mm -hmm. push for that into the production standpoint of that. So when we start looking at how many materials we have, it's how many production materials do we have and how do okay. we call those out? So that's been a real push to getting to the materials that we run. How far, how much time will it be before we have sufficient production materials? I, I feel like we've got some today and, and, and I really think that the direction that 3D Systems has taken over the last few months to really pull out and, and get this focus on production and, and move it away from prototyping with things like the long-term indoor and outdoor UV stability, with the things like the, uh, the good flammability properties, the chemical compatibility. When we put all of those things together as a package, I think we're there and I think what we're going to see is the things that we found to get those materials, the door's been opened. And, and so there's a real fertile ground in front of us to really push on that to get to production. Because one of the things you'll see when you do an injection mold tool, that some of the things you have to think about is what are my melt flow? How does, uh, what are the viscosities at temperature? Uh, what's some of the shear properties? What's my crystallinity? And when I'm looking at that to do an injection mold tool, you know, can I push this through a thick and thin area? Well, now that when you go to additive, you remove all of those. Now, when I look at my material, what do I need my material to be like? Well, I may not necessarily want an ABS material, but what I may want is a high HDT, high impact material. I may want a high mm. modulus, you know, and so I can start looking at the properties that I really want from an engineering application and focus on those properties a little more pointedly as opposed to having to back out to see if I can injection mold that or not. It sounds like we're shifting out of the going to the brand name and looking much more specifically at the properties. I, I think so, but you're, you're still going to have some alignment there because yeah. there's still things that, that you'll see with your polypropylenes and your ABSs, uh, your oh, rigid yeah. materials. So it's, but it's aligning on the actual properties that get you the application that's going to be the big driver. Okay. So that was one of the important factors to look for. So are there some other important factors in material testing? Um, what are the kinds of things that design engineers need to know that they don't already know? I'll tell you one, one big thing that um, we've been a stickler for, and you'll see this in the new data sheets, that, and, and I don't think we've made a big enough deal on this, is on the figure four technology, these materials, the way they print, we have isotropic properties. And that's a big deal because if I've got a part that does not have good properties in Z that you normally see in additive manufacturing, then I'm real mm -hmm. constrained in the terms of how I set up that part. Yet now you mm -hmm. can go in and if I've got the same part in, in X, Y, and Z and I can get those same properties, I can stack up 15 parts in one print and get the same properties across those 15 parts. So now my throughput has gone 15 times the part that I had where I had to lay it down in XY that took my whole build area. So now I can push on that quite a bit to get those isotropic properties and to get multiple parts that are the same. So can you give, do you have an idea as to when developers will have sufficient information for design engineers? I think this is the information that's coming out. This is the stuff that we're, we've announced that we're coming out. And there's some information there now, but you still need to know uh, the details. And, and really part of it, and I look at it a different way, what are the hurdles that we have to remove in order that a design engineer looks at additive 
as a production plastic and not a prototyping plastic. For instance, UL flammability. Uh, if I've got a UL 94 HB rating, then that tells me uh, that may be a minimum that I use on a consumer product, which is which happens quite often. If it doesn't at least have an HB rating, then it may still be considered a prototype of material. In fact, there's products that I've worked on myself that you could not use a plastic that didn't have a minimum HB rating. Uh, chemical compatibility. We've got we use the US CAR2 and the um, ASTM spec for chemical compatibilities and ran those through suites of those uh, hydrocarbon uh, automotive fluids and these detergents and cleaners and put those and track the properties across so that an engineer can look at that and say, hey, um, now that I've got, a, a, if I know that I've got a sodium hypochlorite in my cleaner, which one of these materials can I use that it's not going to affect? And we can go look mm -hmm. at that. So that's called, and that's more removing a hurdle, which if it's there, they may not have considered mm -hmm. that. Our dielectric properties is another one. Uh, before spending 4,000 hours on a life test to get some of these longer electrical testing, then maybe if I don't know what those dielectrical properties are up front, I may never even pick that plastic up. So it's removing those hurdles so that we can get those into engineers' hands for adoption for production. Very interesting. So now what about all the amazing hybrid materials that can be developed using additive manufacturing, some of the technologies that can do this? Um, what will it take to instill confidence in engineers about these materials? I, I think we have to step into it. I'll tell you the real kicker. One of the first things when I work with a customer is how long before this part goes brittle? That's one of the first questions that people will ask mm -hmm. because that's been one of the uh, one of the warts we've had to carry, if you will, from additive manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And by having these materials engineered for long-term stability, and when I say that, we're talking about measuring things in years. I'm talking about indoor stability out to eight years, keeping within, you know, trying to keep between plus or minus 20% of my initial properties, going outdoor okay. where I've got things for two years. So by measuring those in years, that moves you quite a bit away from that that prototyping. So when you start into hybrids, if I've got hybrids, but they only last me three months, it's not a real step forward. I think I've got to go the other way. How do I get something mm -hmm. can get long term and then start bringing those materials into hybrids to get some of these more exotic uh, properties that people are looking at? Very interesting. Yeah, th that all makes good sense. Um, did you want to add something to this conversation that I have not addressed or, or asked? Is there an important point that needs to be made for the design engineer? Uh, I, I think it's, I think from a design engineer, I, I really, uh, you know, when I put my design engineer hat on and I'm sitting there looking at what plastic do I choose, I really want to see the whole picture. And the more that you've taken out of the hurdles that you've removed from where I see that, Things like tensile at yield, HTT, water absorption, are these industry standard testing? And that's a real big deal because there's a lot of, you know, material providers in general will tease and trick customers too much in this industry. And, mm -hmm. and, when, and when that happens and a customer picks up a material and they go run this thinking they're going to get production and all of a sudden three months down the road, it falls apart. Well, then not only does the customer lose and not only does mm -hmm. the provider of that material is, but as an industry, we take a black eye. So as an industry, yes, I think we've got to be transparent in our materials and quit trying to make the decisions for design engineers. 
let's give a comprehensive set of data to the design engineer and let them, they're very smart people, let them mm -hmm. go in and make the decisions themselves, whether they need to design around this uh, deficiency or, or do they accept it or do they choose another material? But I think we've got to get to the point where we're transparent with the customers on what the data is, a comprehensive set of data and trust the customer to make the right choices and allow them to design and pick their plastic as opposed to us push that to them in another way. Very good point. So those are all the questions that I had, Marty. I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, if you can tell, I always like talking about this stuff. We're in a really <laughs> good place right now. So um, I'm just excited for what's what's in front of all of us to move this forward. Well, it's an exciting industry and there's something always new going on and materials in particular. So it's always fascinating to talk about this subject. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, again, right. thank you very much, Marty. And hopefully we'll get to see each other sometime at a future show. I know, I know as I keep following like hard. <laughs> so hopefully we can, uh, but I will be at the other. I was going to be delivering a talk about this subject at AMUG. And uh, yeah. some of our customers and people that we've talked to, we were really looking forward to that because uh, we do really do want to push the standard. And uh, mm -hmm. so hopefully we'll, we'll be doing some webinars and things like that coming up. So there's a yeah, lot planned. Just try to do the best we can with the tools we have. All right. Well, thanks again. You're sure welcome. And if you need anything else, just let me know. Okay. I will. Thank you so much.